Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh. This is Bobby Okereke, inside linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, and you are tuning into the Blue Stable Podcast. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. We are back with the Blue Stable Podcast. My apologies to everybody who had to listen to the rants that ensued on the last show. I apologize to everyone's ears. Uh, probably should have put out a uh, big, you know, uh, volume warning before the show got started, but... Thank you to everybody who watched the the last show. We appreciate the love, the support, the comments, everything. Uh, we're all passionate, right? We're all passionate. Sometimes we go overboard. Sometimes it's right, right on the line. Sometimes we go over. But Marcus, how how, how do you think last episode went? Uh oh, I think you on mute, man. It was a little crazy of a show, but uh, we we got it figured out. Uh, but I think most fans was feeling like that anyway. But um, overall, I think it was a decent show. Yeah, guys, that will not be the norm on this show. I am not trying to uh, have a lot of moments like that. Uh, but again, thank you to everybody who's who who supports uh, to who support supports the channel and the Blue Stable and and all the hard work everybody puts into uh, the writers and myself and Marcus and our guy Luke. We we just appreciate all the support from you guys. Like always, if you're a fan. If you want to keep on hearing us talk about the Colts, make sure you give this video a like, subscribe to the channel. That way you are always notified whenever we drop a video. But Marcus, let's go ahead and start with this week. We, we've let some of the quoting Chris Ballard a little bit. We let some of the poison get out uh, a little bit. And we've had a chance to dissect some things. We've had a chance to step back you know see what what the landscape of the league looks like and man uh thank god for the afc south right yeah man the afc south is kind of weird right now but i mean they still give us a fighting chance to win i mean and after you know after last week loss and you know going into this week you start to feel a little bit more comfortable about the Colts can still have a shot of making the playoffs in general yeah interesting I, I don't think the word that that's a good word for i think just straight up bad is the word for for this division man it, we have become it looks like two weeks in the season right, right just just two weeks in we look like we're the new nfc east of the nfl we're that next bad division no one is really separating themselves we're placed uh i want to say the colts are right now standing at third place in the division and my my lord, not only one team has won a game 
The Tennessee Titans look bad. Uh, the Texans still look like they're still trying to figure some things out. The Colts are the Colts, obviously, which is what we've talked about. The Jaguars obviously got that lone win in last week's uh, debacle from, from the Colts and how embarrassing they showed up. But this week's a new week, man, and I think what the division looks like this season, here's the beautiful thing about sports. There could be a team that sucks. There could be a team that may, may, may be – undeserving of competing for a championship but the league puts in place if you win your division you get to host the playoff game and that's exactly what the Colts are trying to do okay that's what they're trying to do I mean in with the, with the way the AFC South looks right that's that looks like that could become a possibility how many wins does it take? Will it take to win the AFC South? What What do you think? You know, looking at what the AFC South, they have to face the same teams we are. We're facing the AFC West. We're facing the NFC East. Eagles look really good. Uh, we won't face the Cowboys. We don't need to worry about Cooper Rush as of right now. We won't face the Cowboys until week 14. Carson Wentz and company, you know, that offense is looking pretty good in Washington. They're going to be week eight. The Giants are later at the end of the year, but – how many wins do you, do you think Marcus takes to win the AFC South this year? I think it's going to come down to maybe seven wins. I'm not going to be too high. I'm not going to be too low because the way that this division is playing is really poor. So I think it's going to be at least seven wins and that's just the number. I mean, of course any team can win more than seven, but I think you would just need seven wins in general to win the division this year by the way that all the teams are playing. And who knows what may happen in the future. Some people may lose some players. Some people may get some players back. So anything can happen in this division as of right now. But I'm saying for general, as any team in the AFC South, seven wins might be the minimum to win this year. Yeah, and it's not unheard of where a division winner has seven, eight, nine wins. I mean, hell, the Seahawks were seven and nine, and they hosted a playoff game a few years ago. The Washington Commanders, or then known as the Washington football team, led by Taylor Heineke, they won the division. They played Tom Brady and company at home in Washington, lost 44 to 34, but nonetheless, they got to host a playoff game and by any stretch of the imagination from what we all saw that year, Washington and no one in the NFC East had no business being in the playoffs, but the beauty of it, when your division, you host a playoff game. And that's what the Colts have the ability and the opportunity to do. They got plenty of room opportunity to do this thing at, at Oh, one and one sounds so weird, right? So sounds so weird to say that, but Oh, one and one it's kind of getting back into okay you, you gotta start stepping it up wins gotta start piling soon and that's what we're gonna talk about today moving forward and what, what about man what, what about this trash talk going on within the AFC South I mean you got people from the Titans Titans fan base talking about man at least we didn't you know get shut out or anything like okay we we lost by 34 points but y'all didn't score a single point is what Titans fans are saying I don't think that's something to brag about Marcus, I really don't think so. Bragging about losing by 34 rather than 24 is not necessarily the slam dunk people think it is, right? I think this division just needs to have some shame in general because no team is looking good at this point. And like, and to give us a little bit of credit, like we play two division teams. 
you only played the best team in football for one week. And the week before that, you didn't have a shot of winning either. You, you did have a shot, but you lost to probably one of the worst teams in the NFL, and that's the Giants, because you sold the lead, and Saquon Barkley turned to his natural self to win the game. You couldn't get a goal line stand. So I think all teams, all fan bases right now should just sit back and move on to next week because nobody's looking good, no matter if you won or lost. Just as simple as that. So just be quiet. Yeah, it, it, it's a weird stance people are taking, especially Titans fans. Oh, man, at least we're not the Colts. I mean, at least we were able to score. Like, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how that's something prideful to talk over. You know, oh, hey, we scored seven and lost by 34. At least we scored, right? I, I don't really. I mean, God, good Lord, have some have some uh, pride as a fan. Come on now. Uh, it's not hard to come out and say your team is definitely, obviously underperforming. We did it last week. We didn't say, oh, my gosh, you know, like, oh, at, at least we tied in the division and we didn't lose or whatever the case may be. That's just a weird stance to take. But in other words, guys, that's that's what the AFC South is looking like right now. The Titans are 0-2. The Texans are 0-1-1 along with us. And the Jaguars stand alone at first place in the AFC South, 1-1. Uh, the Colts will get their uh, second opportunity at Jacksonville in the next few weeks and man we're gonna see that team really really quick you know that that's gonna be a revenge game that the Colts definitely need to get their business in order because things are actually you know the pressure starting to mount and we'll get into uh get into it here in a little bit on why that is but getting into this Sunday's game against the Kansas City Chiefs all right before stepping into the preview I thought about you know all the all the crying all the you know all the blaming that we've done in the last what five six days or so all of that and what if the Colts win on Sunday you know does all of that go away does all the problems go away does all the complaining do a complete 360 and go to supporting saying oh we're the best oh coach Reich is this uh gosh dang it the, the defensive line only needed time whatever the case may be I'm not entirely sure if I'm gonna go that far but a win, when talking about what does a win do for the Colts this Sunday, I mean, it has to boost the, the confidence in that locker room, no? Absolutely. Especially when you look at the team you're growing up against is a team that lost Tyreek Hill but still is having a very good season so far. I mean, it's still early, so anything can happen, but – if you win against the Kansas City Chiefs, who has a very star-studded quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, after the two losses you went to, it boosts your morale tremendously, especially showing that, oh, we can still trust this guy to go out there and motivate us to win games. I think this is more, more so on the players being motivated than actually just being motivated in a coach in general because you want to trust your guys. You want to do that. So moving forward, does it take uh, a little bit of – relief off of what we're currently going through i will say no i say it dies down but in general we still need some changes to be moving forward because what's going on right now isn't working simple as that it's just not working so we still will have to make some moves moving forward um nobody's off the leash still because we still need pieces filled the offensive line is still suspect uh the head coaching staff needs to be fixed uh, Ballard still needs things to be done, and we still need a veteran wide receiver. We still need a veteran tight end. We still need another corner. Uh, so all these things still are issues going forward, 
and the main question is, is Isaiah Rogers Sr. going to play? Because he needs to see the field. And another thing is, I know the Chiefs have been watching film of what's going on with Kenny Moore, so they're going to attack him if they see him in that coverage again. So, like I said, I don't think uh, the pressure is going to be off on the situation we have currently going in, but it will die down if we do win. Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, a, a win will absolutely boost the confidence of the team, but those same issues that were talked about in March – going into April, going into rookie mini camp, going into training camp, going into the preseason. Now here today, those issues are still the issues holding back the Colts. And if they pull out a win, man, obviously it's going to do what we've said it's going to do. But also you have to imagine with the chiefs coming to town, you have to imagine the Colts are going to have to score some points to win this game. Now, Michael Pittman, is he going to play? I don't I have no idea. He's been limited in practice Wednesday, today, Thursday. We'll see what the final uh decision is on him on Friday. Shaquille Leonard, he's been a full go the past two days. Final decision will come on him on Friday. Alec Pierce, one final step in concussion protocol, but he has been a full participant in practice. Yannick Ngakwe is another maybe a little bit of a concern there being limited and then you know, downgrading to did not participate in Thursday's practice, which is always a concern when you see that backtracking in the uh, in the injury report for players. So, oh, man, it, I mean, culture's got to step up, right? I mean, it, it it's no longer about talent to me now. I mean, how much more embarrassing can you get? Tying against the Texans when you really shouldn't have tied at all getting blown out, being being shut out in Jacksonville. What what could be more rock bottom, right? What could be more rock bottom? Now I just feel like it's just about pride at this point for this team. It's just about pride. Like, do you have pride in what you're doing? Are you pissed off? Are you – I mean, we've seen – we've heard the reports. The locker room after the game in Jacksonville, it was stone cold silent. Everybody was upset. Everybody was just like – it was like looking into the mirror. Okay, well, we need to see those results. We need to see what's going on. Frank Reich, even talking to the media, seems a little bit more determined, like he's like he's being um, like like he's being questioned by the media and he's getting offensive towards that. He's getting defensive. Um, uh, rather, he's getting defensive towards that. So what is the mindset of this team going into this game? I would love to to have that insight for you guys. I'm just I'm just interested to see what the makeup of this team moving forward is, because at the end of the day, how much more rock bottom can you get into? So uh, obviously a big talking point, like you said, Isaiah Rogers, uh, not having a single defensive snap in two games, which is beyond me. That is surprising. Week one, okay. Week two, what Isaiah Rogers has shown in his career, in his early career, it warrants him being on the field. It warrants him, regardless if you're going nickel or not. Again, I think, having to put a slot corner in there is messing up this defense a little bit. But at the end of the day, I don't think Brandon Faison is that far and away better than Isaiah Rogers. I don't think he is. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a solid player. He has been in Gus Bradley's system. He he knows what's going on there. There's the relationship, the familiarity there. I get all that. But Isaiah Rogers has also had two really solid seasons at cornerback, had a really good solid season last year. 
had a really good showing his rookie year against Stephon Diggs in the playoffs, 2020. We all remember that. Why is he not on the field? I'm interested to see that, uh, get some answers on that, because I think one note that I also um, that I also picked up watching Frank Reich's media presser, Marcus, he wasn't asked one thing about Kansas City. He wasn't asked one thing about Kansas City. Everything was about the state of your team, the the makeup of your team. Where does your team go now? The, all the issues going on. And I thought that was interesting. Like things are so bad. One of the best teams in the NFL are coming to your uh, to your town, and not one question was asked about them. Isn't that crazy, Marcus? It, it is crazy, and that shows you that you know the media and everyone is more concerned about the Colts' mindset going forward than what who they play next. Because at this point, the two losses and no communication on defense and the offense not scoring at all. You know, even the consecutive drives down the field, the offensive line and how they're protecting the quarterback, all these things matter more than who you play next. Because to be honest, if it even wasn't the Chiefs next week, it could be the New York Giants. The, the media will still ask the same questions because it's not even who you play at this point. It's about are you going to show up? It's just as simple as that. So I think I do find that interesting. And hopefully, you know, something will come out of what we got planned going on against the Chiefs and how do we view this game? Because, like I said, it feels like the Colts are just showing up and not playing. So that is interesting as well to see yeah. how that, how that turned out. I thought, I thought it was warranted for Frank Reich to be questioned because what we've, you know, found out in the last couple of days, the Colts had this, this game plan going in. On Thursday, Frank Reich was under the impression – Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce are going to play. You know, they, they were under that impression that we've learned. And then on Friday, oh, he's not going to play. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> where do we go? Like, he seemed ill-prepared. Uh, I just thought that was that was odd. How are you not prepared as an NFL head coach? And a big thing was Naheem Hines barely getting any playing time and barely getting the ball in his hands, which is the biggest crime of it all. I mean, silly me, I started him in my fantasy league because I figured he would get 10 targets in the passing game. He would get 15 carries in the run game. Silly me, I thought that would have been the plan. And if you go back to the scripted plays, what was, I mean, if you have your two top wide receivers out, that should boost the targets and carries JT and Naheem Hine get, right? And the fact that that was not done you still went forward with the game plan as if Pittman and Pierce were playing, but Doolin and Campbell were your one and two. I didn't really love that. I I did not love that at all. He he openly admitted he was not prepared for Jacksonville. He openly admitted it without saying it. Well, technically, he did say it. We weren't prepared. So going into this game against Kansas City, if you if if you have to be be pushed to be ready for this game the Chiefs the four years running AFC finalists Kansas City Chiefs if you have to be motivated by other people to play this game then I really question the makeup of your team just the Chiefs coming to town alone should have you fired up as a team should have you motivated as a team so really Sunday we should get a very, very tough Indianapolis Colts team, right? Not only do you know the Chiefs are coming to town, but you've also gotten your ass whooped two straight weeks. 
You've had seven pathetic quarters out of eight. We should pretty we should see a pretty pissed off Colts team, right, Marcus? So double, double the motivation. So that's all really I, I had to say about that. I mean, it, there were some crazy developments the last couple of days, guys. That that really just confused me, confused Marcus as well. I was shocked when I legit heard we were not prepared to play in Jacksonville, which was crazy. I mean, I felt like at that point, Frank Reich's just digging his own grave at that point. But again, God bless the AFC South, right? You still have a chance to host a playoff game after all this, after all this yelling and controversy and everything. But uh, nonetheless, guys, let's jump into this preview. The Kansas City Chiefs are coming to town. They have been on fire. They look like they have not missed a step. Obviously, a lot of talk going into this season was how would Patrick Mahomes look if he didn't have a downfield threat like a Tyreek Hill? And man, Marcus, he looks even better. He looks even better. The the offseason additions, really hate to beat the drum on this, but being aggressive, adding weapons to help your team, brought in two free agents, Juju Smith-Schuster, who I wanted, by the way, and Marquez Valdez-Scandling, who I thought everybody in Colts Nation wanted. Those two guys are making a difference for the Chiefs. They're spreading they're spreading the, de- all the, all the defense out, and they're making teams guess who's going to get the ball this play. Who's going to get the ball on this play? Let's start with uh, the Colts offense, man. Let's start with the Colts offense. And ev- everything going forward on how on, on what dictates the outcome of this game is going to be all about the trenches with the Indianapolis Colts moving forward, man. The offensive line. Matt Pryor has not looked the greatest in play. But I thought with Ryman, even though I think it's the worst kept secret in Indianapolis that the Colts eventually want to start Bernard Ryman, I also feel like Ryman himself even struggled against power rushers in Jacksonville. Trayvon Walker got the better of him on a couple plays. Josh Allen got the better of him. Uh, it's really just a a mix and match of what you get with each left tackle. Pryor does pretty well with power rushers. Speed rushers, he gets beat. Ryman, I feel, gets beat, overpowered, which is what I've stated ever since he was drafted. I thought he wasn't strong enough for this position. Got overpowered on Sunday on a few rushes. But when it came to speed, he he, he did pretty well with those. Again, left tackle position, not being seriously catered to, uh, scouted, all that stuff is why the Colts are in the position that they are. Four guys out of five are not playing well. And Marcus, I got to imagine, if, if I'm Andy Reid, if I'm Eric Bieniemy, why in the world would I match up Chris Jones with Quentin Nelson? Why? Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like with this offensive line scenario, anybody can be coming off the left side to, to go get Matt Ryan like, at this point because it doesn't matter who's there. Like the Colts already admitted they're not wrote, they're not making any adjustments. Uh, it might change eventually, but as of right now, they said they're not doing anything to change it. It's like, how do you not see this issue with a 37-year-old quarterback back there running for his life and trying to make something happen when he can't because he's a pocket quarterback in which we need it, and you don't do anything to help him. It's like you just want him to go out there and to turn the ball over, and you can't go out there and blame Matt Ryan because it's really not his fault But like because he doesn't have any protection. So... It's like at this point, I feel like personally, Pryor is just too big to be at left tackle. 
Of course, we'll try to go with Bernard. I will go with personally. I will go with Bernard to see how he can develop into that position because as of right now, Pryor is just not it at the left tackle. Of course, he can do some things. Bernard can't, but Bernard can do some things Pryor can't. So eventually, this goes to just starting Bernard at this point because, like I said, Pryor is just too big to be next to Big Q. People can just walk right past him and blindside Matt Ryan for a sack. So eventually, hopefully, they can figure this thing out. But the offensive line in general just has to be fixed, broken down, and adjusted because we have pieces that we can swing in and swing out. But the rotating the pieces during the game consistently is not going to help you in the long run, generally. Yeah, I sat down Monday and Tuesday and I watched, I rewatched the game a little bit. And boy, was that like just putting two needles in your eyes, man. It, it, it was painful to watch. But the biggest issue I'm seeing, yes, left tackle, <laughs> yes, left tackle is an issue. But another issue is the center right guard tandem between Kelly and Pinter. Pinter got first crack at right guard, and rightfully so. He is a talented lineman. But I feel like a change the Colts, the Colts need to make. And Marcus Brady came out and said there will be no shuffling on the offensive line. Why? I have no idea. Like, why are you so inept as a staff to sit there and see there is nothing going right on this offensive line other than Quentin Nelson? Every other position should be in question right now. And then to get up in front of the media, no, we're not making any changes. Like, everything, like, Matt Ryan hasn't been sacked nine times in the last two weeks. How how do you go in, in before the media and just be all nonchalant? Like, it's not a problem. I feel Danny Pinter's natural position and best position is center. I was of the mindset. Trade Ryan Kelly. Trade him. I was told by a couple people, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. No. I feel like Pinter and Kelly, for whatever reason, they're not picking up these blitzes. Okay, most of the most of the pressure that came on Sunday against Jacksonville was up the middle. Kelly missed assignment. Pinter missed pickup. He didn't. They, those two were the biggest reason why. Quentin Nelson would help out with Pryor. Braden Smith would really just be one on one. He either he would lose or win the rep. It would really just go hand in hand with him. It was always one on one. But Pinter and Kelly are not on the same page. I'm not sure if they're good next to each other. I'm not sure if there's something going on there, but it's clearly not working so far. I think what the Colts should do Sunday, which is obviously not going to happen, but I think what would be best is if you start Ryman at left tackle and put Pryor at right guard, because as towering of a man that he is at right guard, that man can be really, really good. Tackle and guard, two completely different things. Hell, right tackle and left tackle, Two completely different things. But at right guard, Pryor is a mauler. He is a mauler. And I think that's what we missed on the interior at right guard and center, to be honest, on Sunday. That's why Jonathan Taylor was going nowhere because Braden Smith couldn't win reps. Ryan Kelly couldn't win reps. They were confused with all the stunts Jacksonville was throwing at him. And really, it wasn't anything, anything too crazy. They were simple stunts that Ryan Kelly just didn't pick up, and it cost him. So I think the best move, because, again, the Chiefs, Chris Jones, I think 90% of the game he'll be matched up against Danny Pinter. 
I'm sorry, Danny. I love you, but I am taking Chris Jones in that matchup 10 out of 10 times or nine. No, let me, let me 9.5 out of 10 times, Marcus. I'm taking that matchup. If I am Eric or if I am Andy Reid, I'm going to my DC. I, I better not see Chris Jones matched up against Quentin Nelson. There's no reason for that. Give me that one-on-one Chris Jones, Danny Pinter. I would feel much better if it was Matt Pryor and Danny Pinter. I would feel much better at it because a big reason why, why uh, Jonathan Taylor had a big year last year, Matt Pryor was playing that right side of the line. He was playing right tackle, right guard. And you saw where the run game went. So it's just something that I think can work. As for the tackles, you know, Pass rush wise, what are the Kansas City Chiefs' uh, stats through two weeks? Let me look them up here. 14 quarterback hits, seven sacks so far. Chris Jones having two of those. So, I, and two of those were uh, last week, Thursday night football against the Chargers. Chiefs coming off 10 day rest. Colts having the usual seven. Marcus, when it comes to the offensive line, man. Frank Clark, George Karloftis, who who are you taking in this matchup, offensive line or their defensive line? I'm going. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or Seven Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm going to go with their defensive line because the offensive line hasn't shown me anything to make me want to want to choose them because we're so used to being comfortable with our offensive line and the history of their protection. But as of right now, at the natural state being and where they are, I am not confident in them at all. I'm just not. Now, if I say Quentin Nelson in the battle by himself, oh, yeah, sure. I, I choose Big Q, but, like, the help he has to go with, <laughs> with left tackle, center, right guard, right tackle, no, sorry, it's not cutting it. Like I said, Quentin Nelson is just one human. He can't block everybody. So, I don't know. They're going to have to figure out how to communicate this game because this is a very big game for the Colts to turn around the season. So they're going to have to figure out something to give Matt Ryan some type of time to go out there and perform to have some chance of winning. Of course, the wide receivers may drop the football. But the fact that it has time to get there changes the outlook of what we can have going forward. Yeah, one of the things that I noticed from the Chiefs that they like to do that I, I hope is getting put into the game plan for the offensive line by Chris Strasser, Legereus Sneed, the cornerback, has three quarterback hits and one sack through two games. They're sending him on some blitzes. They're sending him on some blitzes. And that's something that I think if the Colts were to get in third and long, second and long, you have to look out for those. You have, Those are the prime areas where a blitz gets sent. Second, third and longs, you got to prepare for those. Going to the wideouts, man, because uh, I think we've harped on the offensive line uh, enough for the last week. The, the wideouts... I'll put my money on Pittman and Pierce playing. Okay. I put my money. I said the Jaguars won't if Pittman didn't play, he didn't play. And obviously not a single point was, was put up, but if Pittman and Pierce were to play, 
oh man how much does it change it i don't know man i i i feel like just having Pittman out there forces the coverage to go one way and it allows the other guys to try at try i'm not saying they will try and take advantage of one-on-ones obviously that wasn't the case on jacksonville they just threw coverage at everybody with Pittman, you know you have to know where he is on every play. I still find it very questionable how you haven't brought in a vet by now. Still find it very questionable. Uh, still rolling with the same crew, the same skill positions, even at the tight end position. So what can these guys do against, I mean, the likes of Justin Reed, who's obviously taken over that Tyron Matthew role. Legarius Sneed, Juan Thornhill. I mean, it, it's a solid secondary. It's improved a little bit on Kansas City's side. But, man, the, the Kansas, Kansas City's not Houston. Pittman went off nine for 121, and it got him a tie. What are they going to do with Pittman on Sunday? Are they going to throw double coverage? Are they going to throw triple coverage on him and then just dare everybody else to beat him? I don't, I don't love the matchup, to be honest with you, man. I mean, again, Alec Pierce, I'm not putting the weight of the world's expectations on him. Ashton Doolin, I, I feel like Ashton Doolin has to be thrust into that wide receiver two role. I, I feel like, I mean, five receptions, 79 yards. The only guy that stepped up in Jacksonville. I feel like with his speed alone, you can try to utilize that. Again, you have to have a plan for Naheem Hines. You have to. You did not just give him a contract extension for nothing. You didn't. I don't care if you have to line him in the slot, if you have to line him up at tight end, if you whatever needs to happen, Naheem Hines needs to be on the field because that is a weapon that can catch the ball in space. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like moving forward to this game and what we have expected with this wide receiver group, like I said, um, this wide receiver group is very, very young. So it's going to be hard for them to try to get anything going. We need a veteran presence on the on the offense for the receiving core. Like I said, it don't matter who it is. It don't have to be T.Y. Hilton, but it has to be somebody because they could do some things that these guys can't do. And the fact that the consistency of the drops, even in the moments when we did dock them and try to score in that Houston Texans game and they just flat out dropped the football, it just shows you the signs of things that can't be approved if we went to go get somebody else. And it doesn't show that. And having Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce on the field, does it It does help the group, but there can still be some inconsistencies with the group as well because they're just not a true veteran that we need. And maybe this could help Naheem Himes and the Frank White game plan that they had scratched off last week because they weren't on the field. This could help them. I mean, it could help Naheem, but like I said, we have to get him involved. There's just no way you're going to run into this Chiefs game and not have Naeem Hines involved, who can be a huge gadget player for Matt Ryan, because he is one of the fastest players on the offense. So you have to get him involved. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. I'm not trusting this tight end group going into this week if Alec Pierce and Michael Pippa Jr. is playing. Even if they are, I still don't trust them. I just don't. Like, the offensive line and what we have to do with the tight ends, because we got to have them out there for an extra block. And then you got to go out there and trust Granson. It's just a lot going on with this young group. That's not going to be good because the Chiefs have a lot of ball hawks on their defense. You've seen it last week with that pick six from the one-yard line. They're going to bait you no matter what. It, when Legereus needs blitzing, they're going to identify. They're going to have someone else baiting over that over the top. So we have to figure something out with this group 
How are we going to get the offense moving down the field? Because we can't have no shutout this year. I mean, not not this year, this game with this offense. We're going to have to put up some points. Simple as that. You're going to have to. And I feel like I would feel much more confident in this group if let's just say the wide receiver room was, was still the way it is. But you brought in a guy like a CJ Uzoma at tight end. If you brought in a guy like a Tyler Conklin, if you brought in a guy like Gerald Everett, like I would feel much more com- confident in this offense. But Chris Ballard continuing to bank on unproven, inexperienced options at the position that I feel, I, I feel the tight end position elevates this offense to new heights. I mean, look at what now, even though he had a rough exit, look at what Eric Ebron did for this offense. Should we go name by name and talk about who that wide receiver core was for Indianapolis? T.Y. Hilton, Dontrell Inman, who the hell else? Chester Rogers? But a guy like Eric Ebron who can beat tight ends, Take advantage of those one-on-one matchups on the outside. Take take advantage of those. It adds a different element, and it forces the defense to play you different. When you don't have a tight end that teams fear, they're not even worried about him. They're focusing on the wideouts. This guy at tight end can't beat uh, my linebacker one-on-one, so let me, just, let me just stick the linebacker and let me put these safeties uh, elsewhere. Let me do that. Because you know what's a huge talking point this Sunday is Travis Kelsey, tight end. These weapons take away Travis Kelsey from the Kansas City Chiefs. And they still have Juju. They still have Nicole Hardman. They still have Marcus Valdez-Scandling. Are they as dangerous of an offense? You got Patrick Mahomes, so I assume you're still going to put up some numbers. But Travis Kelsey, that guy is probably the most dangerous weapon in all of the NFL because of who he is, and who he's got at quarterback. I just don't trust this offense without a legit tight end option. Someone like an Eric Ebron who can take the top off of a defense, who can beat linebackers in one-on-one situations, outside the numbers, you name it. Eric Ebron had 18 touchdowns. And you saw where that took this offense in 2018. Even with guys like Chester Rogers, Dontrell Inman, you had a T.Y. Hilton, but who was who else was there, Marcus? Who else was there? You may argue that this group now is better than what Andrew Luck had in 2018. You could argue that. So I am not confident in, in the offense so far, especially if you want to get the run game going. You better not run at Chris Jones. You better not run on the right side. You better not because I'm just not confident in Chris Jones versus Danny Pinter. Let's flip the field here real quick, uh, Marcus. Let's go to our defense facing their offense, starting up front. Uh, one concern so far through the week, Yannick Ngakwe showing up on the injury report was limited yesterday, did not participate Thursday with a back issue. Obviously, again, backtracking. Going from limited to not participating is never a good sign. Uh he, he is a big miss, even though he hasn't really gave you anything the first two weeks. You still want his presence out there. It still helps to have his presence out there. DeForest Buckner, Lord, that, that Kansas City team, I mean, that Kansas City offensive line, the way they rebuilt this offensive line, 
You traded for a guy at left tackle, making a trade for a guy, making a trade for a guy, left tackle, Orlando Brown. Then you got Joe Thune, left, left guard. Then you drafted Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma. Should have been a pro bowler last year, by the way. And then you have Trey Smith and then Andrew Wiley. That interior of Kansas City's offensive line alone is probably the best in the NFL. Arguably the best in the NFL. I would love to put us up there because when you have a guy like Quentin Nelson, you, you want to believe in your interior, but Ryan Kelly and Danny Pinter have not played that well. Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner, those matchups right there. Are you going to allow Kansas City to run on you? That's going to be a major point. Quiddy Pay, can he take advantage of Andrew Wiley? What about the backups? Can Dio Adangbo provide pressure from the interior? Can Taekwon Lewis come in and give you solid snaps off the sideline? Can he come in and give you those? What's one matchup? If you said the Colts need to win this one-on-one matchup, Marcus, to have a chance on Sunday from the defensive line, which matchup are you looking at? Uh, I'm looking at the the right side matchup for the right tackle. Uh, I think we can probably get some pressure off that side, especially if we would have sent a corner blitz or maybe a nickel blitz. Extra, you know, extra blitzes will probably help us win those matchups because they can't, they can't, they're going to have to double team. So I think Quiddy Pay can have a big game for sure. If he decides to show up, it's going to be rough, but I think, I think the right, uh, the right tackle matchup, uh, I think Quiddy Pay could probably have a big game. Uh, we're not going to even mention Robert Stewart because I know he's going to show up. He's been showing up all year. He just needs help, but I definitely think Quiddy Pay's matchup is going to be a huge bonus for the defense. If he can have any chance at trying to get Mahomes. Mahomes is elusive. He's going to run around. We just know that. that He's going to make some magic happen. But the fact that we have some type of pressure on him from the right side of the field, I think will be a huge bonus for us. I agree. Uh, And it's not just about pressure when you're playing Patrick Mahomes. Pressure is one thing. But getting home and putting him on the ground is a whole other. As we saw Thursday night, when pressure comes, He's at, he's at his best when he's on the move. Those passes that he made last Thursday, Marcus, they were amazing. On the move, rolling to his right, throwing across the field to the left for a touchdown. That was insane. So remember, pressure is always nice, but against the Chiefs, you better get home. Because that pressure is not going to matter against a guy like Patrick Mahomes. Pressure barely, rarely affects Patrick Mahomes. So you have to disrupt him at all times. You have to get home and get sacked. So that's going to be an important part to that as well. When it comes to the secondary, man, uh, (laughs) Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scandling, Nicole Hardman, they're definitely trying to throw uh, big bombs there downfield to those weapons in Kansas City. An interesting aspect that I saw um, that I started thinking about was do you kind of change up the scheme a little bit? Because in my mind, I thought it would be beneficial taking Brandon Faison off the field in this particular matchup, putting Isaiah Rogers in his spot, Kenny Moore, 
What do we remember Kenny Moore doing so well, Marcus, the last few years? What do we remember him doing so well? I mentioned it with Legereus Sneed. Blitzing. We haven't seen any blitzes from the nickel spot from Kenny Moore this, this season so far. Sunday would be a good time to, to deploy that. Maybe it's something in it. Maybe it's something in Gus Bradley's back pocket that he's been hiding. Maybe you hold on certain stuff when you face certain teams earlier in the year. Maybe I think that would be good matchup wise because Isaiah Rogers' speed, he can hang with the likes of a McCole Hardman or a Marquez Valdez scandaling. I'll take Stefan on whoever he's whoever he's matched up with, but the speed, the speed matchup. I feel like Brandon Faison might be at a disadvantage there, which is why I would like to see if Isaiah Rogers takes over that spot, maybe just for this game. I would like to see that matchup. But in terms of just that single high safety, Gus Bradley, let's pull up some numbers, shall we, for what Patrick Mahomes has performed against Gus Bradley in years past. Let me see here. Uh trying to find it i know it's somewhere around here oh man don't you just gotta love numbers uh let me see here okay yes all right found it all right so patrick mahomes facing gus bradley seven times in his career gus bradley being a defensive coordinator in all of them his record against gus bradley six and one points per game 33.2 completion rate 65.2 percent yards per attempt 7.61 touchdowns 17 along with two interceptions that's in seven games so Gus Bradley isn't taking the ball away from a Patrick Mahomes now there's an element to this game Shaquille Leonard possibly coming back that will be a much needed matchup I feel better about Shaquille lining up against Travis Kelsey than I do with EJ Speed lining up with Travis Kelsey EJ Speed by however by the way has had one of the better run defense grades by PFF of all linebackers in the NFL I think he's had a 90% grade in run defense in pass oh my lord I, I think it was like in the 50s I think or low 50s at that yeah, not good. Not not good. You appreciate that in the run game, though. You, you always appreciate that in those situations you know you're going to have to defend the run. But against the pass, this would be a really good game to get Shaquille Leonard back. Even though you know he, he'll have to work out some kinks, I would really like him to work them out before we hit these two, uh, these two division games, these three division games coming up, you know what I mean? So I would love for that to be the case. But otherwise... I I I don't know if I'm confident. I don't know if I'm confident or I am confident in our secondary against the Chiefs' wideout group. Yeah, for me personally, uh, <laughs> I I don't trust this Gus Bradley scheme going into any game. Uh, we have the same issues when we're dropping back too far, and we've seen it last week when Trevor Lawrence is just throwing so many layups underneath passes where he could just wait and go get it. And when you're playing a guy like Mahomes, he would definitely take those type of passes. Like, even though he can take the top off of a defense, especially single high safety, uh, I definitely think 
we have to switch up our coverage. Uh, we need more speed on the field. We need more corners on the field, personally, because I do not like us with this double linebacker scheme uh, and having Kenny Moore happen to drop back in coverage. is just so, so, so bad. And, you know, like I said, it's still early in the season where you can make adjustments. Hopefully Isaiah can see the field because he's definitely one of those guys that can match up with speed at any point. And I think we're missing one of the problems going into this game. Clyde Edwards Hilaire can be a special use in the catching game for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he can do running and he can receive as well, like a Naheem Hines, but he's so explosive and he could be an addition for the uh, Chiefs offense. And when you look at the Colts defense, it's like we give up so many easy passes this year and it's only been two weeks and you're going to get the top five quarterback. You can't do that. You're going to have to send some more pressure and you're going to have to switch it up. You can disguise a different zone scheme in the middle of it like we did last year, uh, even though it was with Eberflus. But we can switch. We can disguise this uh, disguise the scheme and have him look differently and try to, you know, make him force a bad play. So I definitely think we're going to have to send some more blitzes. When it comes to Shaquille Lillard, I do trust him. We already know how our run defense looks. So that's not an issue. He does have some mishaps in coverage as well. He's not the, the fastest guy out there. I mean, he's not the best coverage linebacker either, but having him on the field, being able to force a turnover, we already know he's a stout at that. He can force turnovers, so he can have a huge boost for this coverage going forward in this game. So, like I said, we all need to see Isaiah Rogers because I don't trust face on it, even though he's a Gus Bradley guy, but we're going to have to switch it up. Blitz Kenny, have Isaiah on the field. Maybe we can get some turnovers. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, I wonder at some point this season, highly doubt it, but if I'm Jim Irsay, aren't I going to Chris Ballard? Aren't you going to Chris Ballard and saying, look, man, can we, you know, scan the trade market a little bit, see what's out there at tight end, see what's out there at wide receiver. Tyler Lockett is obviously in Seattle. What do they need with a 30-year-old wide receiver anymore? Let's throw a day three pick. Let's do a, throw a future day two pick at him and, and see what that can that can get us. I, I got to imagine that's got to be the case at, at some point this season, unless there's an epiphany in the Colts locker room and Paris Campbell and Alec Pierce just turn into freaking prime Devin Funches and DJ Moore. I mean, just, you, you just gotta, you, you gotta have better at, at some point in time. You gotta, I think you just got to take a little bit of pride in your work and just say, Hey, I was wrong on this and let me, let me correct it. So uh, other than that, guys, Let's go ahead and jump into our predictions. Again, if you enjoy the Blue Stable, man, make sure you give this a huge like, a thumbs up. It, it helps us out. We appreciate it. Obviously, make sure you also subscribe if you are a Colts fan. If you believe the Colts can win, oh, man, I don't know if I should, should do this, but if you believe the Colts should, could can win this Sunday, make sure you subscribe to the Blue Stable on YouTube and make sure you also subscribe and download it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere where you get your favorite Colts podcast. So, Getting into the predictions here, uh, Marcus, where are you going for this game? And what are you looking to see from the Colts on Sunday? I want to see pressure. Simple as that from the defense. I, I want to see pressure from the Colts defense. And for the offense, for the Colts, I would like to see them step up. Like, they have to step up. There's no way we can go into three weeks and nobody's stepping up or being any type of 
are frustrated. They have to show their frustration on the field. Go catch the football. Go moss somebody. You know, go hit somebody with a double, a double in and out, and be open for a deep row, a deep post play. We need somebody to explode on the offense. That's not Naheem Hines because we know he can explode. I want somebody like a Paris Campbell to show off against the Kansas City Chiefs. And for the defensive side. Maybe one of our safeties can have a big game and try to force Mahomes into not throwing so many deep balls. So for in general, I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs to win, uh, but I do see the Colts putting up some points. So I'm going to go 30-14 Kansas City. 30-14? Yeah, I think okay. Kansas City is going to put up 30. Okay, solid, solid, solid uh, score prediction. Let me see here. Uh this game is also getting the A-team for CBS. Jim Nance and Tony Romo will be on the call. Again, they always got to be on the call when the Colts are down. Um, let's see here. CBS, what does Vegas look at this as? They like Kansas City uh, minus five. So, actually, they like Kansas City pretty comfortably because the way it works, home team gets three points automatically, and then there's a shift. So basically, there's an eight-point shift in this uh, prediction. So they like them by eight points. That that's more than a touchdown right there. Over under 50, 50.5 is the over under for this game. <sighs> Does it reach fifty points? My prediction. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with the Chiefs on this one. I don't expect after these two weeks. I don't expect us to win to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. But man, wouldn't it be typical Colts to do that? completely embarrassment for two weeks and then you face possibly the best team in the NFL and and you go out and beat them right um that that's something that I can I can see it happening but I don't expect it to a Frank Reich team what I'll always give Frank Reich credit for man he always knows how to come back from adversity right he, he always knows how to battle back he always knows how to how to keep fighting I, I feel like there's more fire under him in those circumstances. So what I'm looking for them in this game to just show that you belong, just show that you belong on the same field with the Kansas city chiefs, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes under the dome. It's not a, it's not looking well for you. Everything is setting up for the chiefs to take this game. I also would like, uh, to open the roof for an advantage for the home team, if that's possible. <laughs> Possibly, but I don't think the turf is going to matter much <laughs> at all. But outdoor team who scores points anywhere going to a dome. I just want to see that the Colts belong on the same field with the Kansas City Chiefs. Show that you have fight. Show that you got some pride. Figure out some of your damn issues, like, you're grown men, you're professional athletes, figure it out. A lot of football left to be played. Again, there is, you know, a glass half full kind of approach to this season so far, no matter how uh, disappointing it's been, is that the AFC South is also as pathetic as a whole. So there is a chance seven wins just might get you the, the division crown, may get a home playoff game. And I said it last year, I've said it the last couple of years. Get in the playoffs, anything can happen. Just get in the tournament, anything can happen. On Sunday, my prediction, I'm gonna go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go 34 to 21. 
I'll go 34 to 21 Kansas City. I think f- from the defense, pass rush, Yannick Ngakwe not really looking good right now, and I don't even know if he's going to be out there. Pass rush has not shown the ability to win one-on-ones. They haven't. And facing a very strong Kansas City front, I'm not sure if that's going to be the case. Patrick Mahomes could have all day back there to make decisions. And if he does, look out. They may score more than 34 points. So that's going to be my prediction, guys. Who do you guys think wins uh, on Sunday? And what's your score prediction? Let us know down in the comments below. Let us know. We want to chat with you. We want to, you know, see why you think the Chiefs maybe blow out the Colts. Maybe the, maybe the Colts win this game in your eyes. Let us know always. We're always looking for your insight. And also, if you guys don't know, if, if y'all don't know by now, I do host post-game Twitter spaces. It's really a platform, not necessarily for me to unleash my thoughts, because obviously I do that here on the show. But I also want to hear your guys' thoughts. I want to hear your questions. I want to hear your opinions on how the game went and how the team looks. I, oh, I, I love engaging with you guys, man. I, I love doing that. And I want to keep doing that. So every Sunday and, you know, Monday and, you know, Thursday, the Thursday night game coming up, post-game Twitter spaces. Be there. Be square. Always let's talk some Colts football, whether if it's a win-loss or hell. I didn't think it was possible. But ties apparently exist in Colts Nation now. So, Marcus, you got anything else before we close it out? Uh, Go Colts, man. Make a statement this week. Uh, If you win, I definitely would turn tides to how I feel about the team moving forward. Uh, so me choosing the Chiefs to to win has nothing to do with me not having faith in the team. I want them to go out there and prove it. Just go out there and prove it this week, man. Yeah, and when I say I want to see if you belong, like start getting your stuff together because this is not a must win for you because it's a separate division. But your next two, well, your next few games coming up, Titans, Jaguars, Titans again four weeks after that. Those are must wins. So the Colts need to get their stuff together very quickly. So other than that, guys, he is culture shock. I am Michael Pivia as always, man, always repping Indianapolis. Shout out home field for the apparel, man. Week three, who do you got? What games are you watching, man? Let us know down in the comment section below. We will catch you guys on Sunday, Sunday night, maybe Monday morning. Who knows? We'll catch y'all. Be on the lookout for that reaction show. Hoping, praying. We get a Colts win because, man, it would be typical Colts, man. Other than that, y'all have a good weekend. We'll see you soon. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.